0: then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing. Through interviews, tips, and lessons learned, we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration, knowledge, and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. So let's get started. Welcome back to CPI Podcast. This week's guest is Julia Hart. She's a property developer in her own right and does a lot of deal sourcing for clients, which you may find particularly interesting. In today's episode, we talk our way through Julia's property history. I always find it fascinating to hear how different people find their way into this industry. We talk about finding deals, working with investors, mixed-use developments, and how she succeeded in a pretty male-dominated market. I don't normally discuss that element, but I thought it was pertinent to go and talk through it. All thoughts are mine and Julia's, of course. I'm sure you'll enjoy this episode. I particularly like the discussion around sourcing deals for high net worth investors and opening the door on how that world can work. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm joined this week by Julia Hart. So it's great to have you on the show, Julia. Welcome.
1: Thank you. It's lovely to be here.
0: Yeah, we met each other on Clubhouse, another pairing from Clubhouse. Been 2020, (laughs) whatever it was, it's been it's been really interesting how many how how one's network expanded during that time frame. You you spent quite a bit of time on Clubhouse, yeah.
1: Yes, I did. Yeah, I was one of those early Clubhouses and loved it all through COVID. It was absolutely fantastic. Met and expanded my network on there. Really enjoyed it. Learned an awful lot. Met some great people. However life has changed slightly so i haven't spent so much time on there but it certainly was fantastic through that period yes. yeah
0: it was definitely a good investment of time i, I met some great connections as well and, mm. and including yourself so thank you so just to give our, our listeners a bit of context what sort of things are you working on right now julia let's just start from there and then we'll maybe go back a little bit to the beginning
1: so i specialize in commercial acquisitions so i basically find any particular opportunity which has got a lease attached to it so that could be anything from land that can be developed um, right through to um, industrial through to hotels so anything where there's income related to an opportunity i would deal with that so i've got developers that are looking for um, opportunities um generally i work from about 5 million upwards but i do get little bits of of, uh, of other things um so people that are looking for opportunities that maybe 50 60 up to 100 units Then I go into another genre where maybe slightly bigger. So I've then got developers, investors that are looking for opportunities slightly bigger. Then I go into the high net worth and I find opportunities for um, family funds and financial institutions. So that's where it gets very investor based. But I also help people sell their portfolios or or opportunities in their portfolios as well. So it's a, a little bit of a two way streak that goes on all the time.
0: Bro- brokering going on there great okay mm. and, and of course you're investing yourself as well.
1: I do yes Um so I've got a commercial piece of land at the moment that we're just putting planning on for three houses so I'm not as big and as exciting as some of the developers I work with however it's all sort of going on in the background yes. Um and I'm quite lucky because I've got um, my husband stroke business partner he handles a lot of that work whilst i'm working on the acquisitions
0: brilliant okay so that's where we are right now how did yes. this all start off how,
1: so how what, did it was start? there a life
0: before property
1: there was actually there was a completely <laughs> different life before property however i have always been really entrepreneurial Um, So I've always had one foot sort of in that building businesses framework, which I particularly have enjoyed. So I started off very much as a youngster. I worked in the fitness industry and I worked for all sorts of um, health clubs. But there again, I wanted to work for myself. So I set up a personal training business at that time. And so that was a, I did that for a a good 15 years. Then I became a mum. So life changed slightly. Um, But I could still work that fitness around being a mum. So that was quite good. However, then moved on from there, got a little bit disillusioned with the industry and uh, went and did some part time jobs here, there. And And I've always just thrown myself into things. I ended up working for a gentleman who ran a limousine company. Gosh, I haven't talked about this for years. And so I ended up actually running running his business for him because he really wasn't very good at marketing and that wasn't really his thing. But that gave me such a lot of confidence to actually believe and know that I could create a business. I seriously could create a business um, and it didn't, um, and that could business could be anything of my choosing. So I then went into and set up a children's events company. Okay. Which was fascinatingly exciting. That
0: involved the limousines as well
1: though. Well yeah because it, oh, that's how it sort of <laughs> it that's how over, I got yeah. into it. So there was a bit of a crossover there. Yeah absolutely loved it really really enjoyed it It was real hard work however it was it was a great learning curve that's also where I learned to network started to understand a lot more about business and how to run a business and so on and so forth so I really threw myself in in the deep end Um, and then I, I sold that business and I just because I just decided I wanted to go off and do something else went to work for a charity which i loved again very events based so i was really involved in in all the huge events there um, and coming to the end of of working for that company sadly my my mother wasn't too well so i started to help look after after her but at that time i started to look for a new vehicle something that was going to really excite me and change the ch- change my dynamics and and some, something that I could really learn. Because as an adult, I particularly enjoy learning as an adult. Um, and I looked all sorts of different things. Absolutely hundreds of different things. Nothing sparked my interest. Until I met a lady called Belinda Gratiam. And Belinda Gratiam, I saw an article about her. And I decided to Google this lady. And turns out that she was a property mentor at the time. Incredibly successful um, female property developer, and I've always had a little bit of a thing for property. Um, so I thought, right, I'm going to phone this person up. So because that's me, I'm I'm a bit out there, you know. I'll I, if I want to go and do something, I'll go and I'll just go for it. Um, so I so I contacted them, and as soon as I spoke to her, I knew that's what I was going to do. It was like instantaneous. I'm going to go and work in property. And I spent a year working alongside her. Absolutely lovely lady. We're still very, very good friends and do lots of business together now. So very, it's, it's been a fantastic journey. Um, and we just clicked and got on. My goodness, the learning curve that year was <laughs> unbelievable so i did everything from vitalettes hmos we did all the different strategies but they specifically or the the gentleman that that um she she worked alongside he was really big on um going big big or go home was always his his uh, mantra and I quite like that because that fits my character, you know, because I'm a big picture thinker. So he very much talked in in the realms of, well, why do a small opportunity when you can do something much bigger? It's going to take you the same amount of time. It's just bigger numbers, just lots more zeros on the end. So don't be scared of those zeros. So I sort of took all that on board, absolutely, and I ran absolutely ran with it. I did. Um, it, I was involved in. Um, finding lots of different types of opportunities but I did then find that there was uh, there was a lot of people in the residential side every time you went and looked for something in the residential side there was like 10 people queuing up behind you and they were like nibbing at your heels you know wanting to get hold of this opportunity and that I found quite frustrating because in the early days it took me some time to evaluate and sort all my numbers out and talk to the right people and you know now what i can do in probably 15 minutes would take me two weeks by then somebody
0: else has bought it
1: and by then somebody else has been in and bought it yeah so i i knew that something needed to change and just by chance um i was work doing a lot of work with two um, lovely ladies in the northwest And we started looking and working on a really, really large um, old mill, which we put onto an option. And um, we put the planning on the mill and then flipped it on. And that really sparked my interest because that then made me realize, where are all these other people looking at this? This is a great opportunity and they weren't there. So I was like, maybe commercial is quite a good place to be. And that's really what set me on my road to to working in, in the commercial sector. And I also found it so much more creative. You could do so many, so much more. There were so many other ways that we could create income from the commercial space. And I loved that. I just, I, I loved that because there was fast, potentially faster ways to income because you're buying, potentially buying income. But again, throughout that period, I particularly liked finding the opportunities and doing the deal. That's what really, really sparked my interest. That really got my gut going. I loved almost the detective work of finding things and then finding the right person um, to speak to. So you could actually get the nuts and bolts of the, um, of the, the information and the deal. So I started to realize that actually, rather than doing the development side of things, it was actually the deals that i particularly like to do even though we have still carried on and done some small development work it's not become my prime prime focus because though i like it and i enjoy it i i leave all that bit to somebody else <laughs> somebody else <laughs> could the do the, the messy bit you're yes. looking the
0: creativity as you say it's not just in how do we make um Multiple income streams, but how do we change mm-hmm. this asset into something that's as profitable as possible, uh, as sustainable yeah. as possible, but also uh, creativity in terms of finance, in terms of ways mm-hmm. of buying or or taking control of the property without necessarily Agreed. owning it, all those sorts of things. Yeah, but just just go back for a second. So the 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 residential part. Um, how long was it before you actually thought um, and started working in the commercial sector? was it a year was it two years it was was probably about
1: 18 months to to two years so we were working very much in the northwest and you know at that time I was also putting some serviced accommodation together and we were setting that up um, in Liverpool and around Manchester you know I had two great colleagues who we were working and at that time we were looking at residential opportunities we went and pitched for a huge old fire station, which was up uh, in and around Liverpool, and that took us months. That took us absolutely months to put put this pitch together. And again, that was a huge learning curve in itself. Just spending all the time putting the pitch together, weeks and weeks and weeks. Sadly, we didn't w- win the pitch, but at the time, we thought we had a really good chance yeah. of winning. Really it taught
0: it. you a lot, no but It taught me yeah.
1: ever such a lot about what was required, and and ultimately. We probably didn't have a chance in hell of winning that pitch, but it was fantastic experience at, at the time, and we did learn um, a, an awful lot. But again, that was of course being a commercial element. So this yep. commercial kept coming up all, all the time, um, and I, I don't—I didn't even realize it then at that point because we were looking at all a mi- mixture of different things. Um, but certainly, bigger opportunities were always something that we were. Um, we were always looking at um and we were then of course looking at how we could section those off how we could potentially create that commercial element so we've got continuous income and I think again because I was looking to secure that income I was always looking for that security of continuous income and then having the growth thereafter mm-hmm. which I think Get is, the beast. is Get really, the beast in, yeah yeah so which is always what just on
0: reflection then if you look back now mm. um and you've maybe got now got a little bit more perspective of course of working with people that are starting in commerce as well but how mm. how important was the residential experience and I'll just maybe steer the question slightly in that you know does everybody need to go through the com- the residential experience first before they do commercial or is there some other um avenues in life they might be able to learn those aspects before they actually mm. get in because there's a few people that want to get into commercial but that oh i need to go and buy some houses first what's your mm. thought on that
1: that's a really really interesting question <laughs> i think it's about comfort and um, mm-hmm. people need to do things where, the, where they yeah where, where they feel comfortable I often get people that have come to me and I think you probably do Jerry as well, Jerry, where they say, I've been doing I've been doing um, residential and I want to go into commercial but I don't know how. And I I'm not quite sure how it works in commercial. As though it's a black art yes. commercial. It's not a black art, is it? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not. It's just different learnings. Um and a so lot whether you can pick. A lot of similarities, yeah. absolutely. Um, but people get fearful of commercial because they think, oh, you know, they're not not—they're not sure how to handle leases or how to negotiate leases. But it's like everything. To be totally honest, you've just got to do it. you just got to get in there and do it. And you learn as you go. But if you've got people around you who, who, ha- who have worked in that sector, then you've got people to go and talk to. I've still got people that I go and talk to to ask advice now. I still don't know everything. So, you know, it's the same when you're coming into something. So so to answer your question, do I think you have to do residential? No, I don't think you have to. I think it's a benefit mm-hmm. because it gives you perspective. But I don't think you have to have done that necessarily because you'll learn as you go. Yeah. Right? Don't you?
0: Absolutely, yeah. And and some people love residential and that's where they stay. Um, occasionally, yeah, they might well, look at fine. commercial, and mm, I think I'm going to stay with what I'm doing. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's <laughs> right. Well, they get they get they get the fear, don't they? Yes, they get the yeah. fear. Oh, I don't know what I, I know yeah. what I'm doing in that. So, but, I'll but I, I remember, I remember right when
0: out. I remember when buying that first commercial, I had a potential business partner lined up because I was too scared to do it on my own. Eventually, I did do go. it on my own, which was great. But
1: yeah,
0: and and you know, if I hadn't now, I probably would have shared everything fifty fifty, which would not have been yeah. Great. Um, yeah. But yeah, there is that fear factor for sure. But it's interesting mm. that there are loads of similarities in residential commercial. But equally, commercial is just a business like residential is, and mm-hmm. you can learn the things you spoke about about negotiation, creativity, and all these sorts of things in mm. another business. You don't have to transfer yourself your skill set through residential. You can come straight into commercial.
1: No, I agree. I I do agree. I don't. As I say, I think it's a benefit, but I don't think it's essential.
0: Yeah. When you were starting that process, you obviously had a pretty clear, well, maybe not a clear idea of exactly what you want to do, but a direction you wanted to go in. Has the plan narrowed down to what you're wanting to do now? Is it quite, um, are you quite focused in the strategies you're doing or are you looking at um, buildings and then trying to work out the best opportunity? What's your kind of approach now?
1: So the business is sort of split slightly. So I do I do concentrate on the acquisitions. Yeah. Um, so I and specifically work with the funds and the family funds and and looking for investment opportunities. I work with lots of surveyors and you know dif- different people that bring me potential opportunities. Um, um, if I find something that I particularly think f- would fit us. Um, then I would pass that over to Scott, my husband, and we then discuss that through Jamie, who's my son. He also works for me as well. So he does all the numbers and all the figures. So though he does a lot of work on all the investment sides and the other opportunities, if something comes through that we think, oh, actually, we quite like the look of that, then then we would um, jump onto that ourselves. So, but my role doing the acquisitions is quite time-consuming you know it Mm -hmm. takes a lot of time so i can't have that focus so the serviced accommodation by chance actually due to covid i ended up because i had a little team before covid and i had to disband the team because i had to let some units go for safety reasons but i held on to, to some so, I handed that over to a uh, management company, which I was terrified to do because I'm a bit of a control freak, like things like to know things are done to a certain standard. However, it's been that was the best thing that I did. So that all gets looked after now, so that that's that's all good. So it allows me to really focus on the acquisition side um, and finding and, and spending time building relationships because I'm not a mass market person I don't work like an agent or even I don't even like to call myself a broker because I like working with people Jerry you know I'm a real Mm -hmm. people person so I like finding out specifically getting to know people working closely with them and then I go out I often go out and find what they want that that's generally but I get lots coming in so it does sort of flow.
0: So, so the strategies yeah are, are wide and varied. What, what about geographical location? Is there a
1: So geographically area? I do loads in the southeast, however mm-hmm. I do right across the UK um and I do have connections across Europe as well and a bit into the US. Um so I've got hotels, land um out across Europe that that I do do deal with as well. Yeah. Okay.
0: Brilliant. All right, I, I want to ask you something a bit more specific then. What Mm -hmm. What project that you've been involved in you've done that you've been particularly proud of? What project (laughs) could you maybe tell us a little bit about?
1: So there was one project um, that I was particularly proud of last year because it was one of those projects that potentially had been looked over by quite a few people and um, maybe that people hadn't seen the potential Mm -hmm. in it. i think that for me was really exciting that all of a sudden i could see something here um, that um, i felt that nobody else was seeing i'm sure they probably were but at the time i felt it was quite exciting um the asking price was pretty good um so i started to to really dig into that um it was in a great location so it was in st albans it was on the high street it was close to the um close to the train station fantastic pound per square foot um huge high demand for residential in in the area plus the demand for commercial space though one of the units actually had um a moss Bros in and moss Bros was going going bust so we had to then do quite a lot of research on how easy it would be to to refill that unit well it became quite apparent quite quickly that filling that unit was just not going to be a problem. It was such a great spot. So that, again, alleviated the, that particular issue um, that we thought that well, there might be like an, an 80,000 hole in that um, yeah. in that lease. But we, we very quickly realised that that could be plugged really quickly. Um, so we knew that there was not going to be any issues. We knew that the opportunity could, the uppers could be... Um, Done in stages, so we knew you could get we get PD rights for um, for the first part of the uppers. There was a bank in there as well. They weren't using the upper upper parts at all. It was almost you know it's derelict up there, just not not being used. So again, we knew that could be a stage two where that could be brought back into the portfolio, chopped off, and that could then be redone. Then then there was a flat roof out the back, so it just kept giving it just kept giving the whole time <laughs> um, it really did the president next door was it was had gone up three stories so again another tick uh there was some income out the back because they were being um uh the building next door was paying for right of way out the back so it was just all these tick boxes were coming in um and it was it was a fantastic project. Um, we did look at trying to to take that on ourselves, and that would have been for us a huge project to do. So we did link up, and um, because we didn't have the back history really, we didn't have enough back history really to take take that forward for ourselves. So I did find find a buyer for it in the end, um, and it was a it was a great sale, and and I still hear from them. And they, you know, they, they've they loved it. It's been such a great opportunity and they've done exactly what we thought that they would do. And that's, you know, go for the PD rights, put their planning in for this bit, sort out the leases. And it's just been, it's been a, one of those dream opportunities, really. Do you so, think,
0: Julie, when people were looking at that, you were talking earlier on about seeing it in a different way. Do you mm-hmm. think the the way most were probably looking at that was this is a problem. Most bros have gone bust. This, this, this um, investment is no longer an investment. It's a risk and a liability. And and that's... Exactly. Everyone yeah. was looking at it as a problem. Yeah.
1: Yes, that's exactly what happened. And because I looked at that as a... Because of its positioning, that's what really... That's what drew me in thinking now this is is such a prime spot and i knew that there was high demand so we we got a survey done actually and um you know realized that it wasn't going to be any problem at all in fact they've got they got somebody else in there for a higher price much higher price than Moss Bros was paying so you know they've increased the value just by doing that one yeah one move yeah. which is fantastic. And
0: it's that little nuance between somebody looking at it as an investment. So an mm. investment-grade stock is when somebody's buying um, a property that has an income already, there's a tenant in it on whatever length the lease is in it, mm. and that's your investment-grade stock. And then suddenly mm. when that tenant's going bust or something, it's no longer investment-grade, it's not an investment mm. project, this, uh, there's that liability thing, and that's where the opportunity comes for us to mm. be able to do that creativity and work out, right, What could we shape this into? But, yeah, some people who are not in commercial property and they're doing it more as an investment and in a Mm. portfolio of other types of investments just are not looking at that. That that sounds like hassle.
1: Mm. (laughs) Yeah, hard work, fear. And also it was, um, you know, we're on the back end of the retail, everyone going bust, you know, so you know that you can understand why there was probably a little bit more fear about it but it was just about research really it was just just doing your due diligence and understanding the area and the market and we knew it was a hot area yeah. um so we you know just kept pushing to to see and yeah that was a, that was that's one of my faves because it was it just just kept on giving as fans nice. just tell me yeah. the
0: access to the upper floors was that yeah. already separate or did the uh, did that have to be created?
1: Depending on what part, because there was five different units. So mm-hmm. there was access on one of them. So there was a central access up to one side because it was sort of split into different sides. So, yes, there was access from the main main street to go above two of the units, mm-hmm. which was where they got the PD, PDs yep. from. And then there was access from the back on the other side. So that would have had to have been incorporated from the back.
0: Yeah. Would you say that was probably one of the best performing ones, best performing assets that you've worked with now that it's all? Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, there's still more to do. Um, So from there, I'd be interested, actually, to go back and talk to them to to get some numbers. If they got the full planning to do that, the flat roof as well, it was just absolutely fantastic you know there was a huge profit margin to be i can't remember off the top of my head i'm sorry jerry but there was a huge profit margin in there but even if they just did the pd section and then above the bank that was still you know the the profit margin and that was still really really um viable so um so it'd be interesting to watch and learn uh, and hear if they do get do go the whole way,
0: yeah, yeah. and get it's,
1: those numbers because that would be great, wouldn't it? I must do yeah. that. That's a good Good question. It's it's
0: interesting though just yeah. just to just to see is one of your favorite projects one of mm. the best performing ones. Yeah or is it or is it because yeah. you know there was a certain thing that you like doing or creativity or whatever it's just interesting yeah. to to see that I motivation i mean what what what, what do you think creativity. motivates you on those sorts of things <laughs> is it really the creative stuff
1: yeah yeah i i love the creative it enables me to you know i i definitely like you know i get a buzz from that oh look you could do this you could do that oh look how however how about if you do this and i wish in some ways i i had more creativity because sometimes when I speak to um, architects and different people and I mm-hmm. just I'm in awe of of how they come up and I think why didn't I come up with that idea I get cross you know because I'd quite like to have that ability to to find that or have those eyes solutions, yeah. Um, yeah yeah but I don't think I do too bad I think you know I'm, I'm pretty good but again I think that's again working with other people you know sometimes as a uh, um, with friends or or other colleagues we get together we look at potential sites we say oh how do you think what about doing this what about doing that and you know other people have different perspectives and I think that's always a great thing to do Um, so I have a weekly rather monthly mastermind that I'm a member of and often people will bring opportunities and we discuss through them and we get different perspectives and different ideas and that's important yeah, it's and that all to adds do.
0: to your the arrows and your quiver, all the different strategies yes. that you can then think about when you're looking yeah. at these, looking at your yeah. So that that's obviously a big motivator for you. What what else do you like doing for fun, Julia? What what do you what what, what do you like to go <laughs> what, and play?
1: Oh, what do I like doing for fun. Um, I so I've always been sporty, obviously because mm-hmm. I started. Yeah. Uh, so I do I do do lots of yoga. That's a bit of a thing. I'm a bit of a meditator as well. So. Um, that's something that I particularly, particularly enjoy, but I'm a bit of a, uh, I'm a bit of a dance music buff. Oh, really? Okay. quiet though. Don't, don't tell them. Don't tell everybody. Just between you and me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do like a bit of a boogie, I have to say. Um, so I, I have. It's coming into that time of year. It's coming into that time of year. Yeah. (laughs) absolutely so i will be uh watching Pete Tong on saturday night yes at the o2 um so yeah so that's sort of my my thing i i like to uh keep my mind healthy that's very important to me so i do do quite a lot of work on that too
0: very good i i I haven't asked this of um any ladies that have been on the podcast before but i thought i'd i thought i'd ask you um our industry you could argue is fairly dominated by males. Um, yep. How how do you find that? How how do you find working in this industry? Do you do you do you find that sometimes that can actually be almost helpful? Sometimes in that, you know trying to deal with these some some. Uh, let me rephrase that. I, I find with anybody once you've worked out what their motivations are and where they're coming from, it becomes much easier to work towards what you're trying to achieve right but Hmm. but but in this industry because there's so many um males and and for me some of them are pretty intransigent. you know they're stuck in their ways agents pops into my mind um yeah how have you found that
1: that's such a good question so it really is there's two sides to actually there are those who are very old school very set in their ways who absolutely infuriate me because they think that i'm a woman and what would i know anything about property so that and i i do have to battle against that quite a lot and i i do find that infuriating but then I've got another side of me because I, I class myself a bit like the the, the queen of the collections. So, and I love connecting with people. I love talking with people. And like you say, once I find out that motiva- motivation, yeah. then I find it very easy. Um, and I think at being a female, I think sometimes can soften soften a situation potentially, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's a nice place place to be in. Um so I get two sides of it very much. I got that I get that strong old school which ah just don't even go there with me because it put me on my soapbox. And then I think I get the the other side where it, it is a benefit. So and that's maybe because I can just chat about all sorts of different things, um, you know, connect with people in a different way. I
0: think I think that being able to do that comes from confidence though, doesn't it? The, the mm. confidence in yourself to be able to deal with whomever or whatever's in front of you. And and by having that confidence, it just makes the whole process easier, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. So I
0: guess it's partly being able to build up that confidence. But but the reason I ask is just I, I know that a lot of our listeners are, are ladies. Um, mm. I, I'm sure it's at least 50-50. And, you know, some some struggle with it and then others just get on with it and
1: yeah I think I'm not not,
0: I can't sit here and say what to do about it but I do mm. know that once you've worked out. I mean everybody has an ego right so once Mm. once you've worked out what that ego wants life can become easier
1: (laughs) yeah I I would I would agree I'm very lucky because I have a huge female property network so I'm part Mm. of the property sisters which lots of people know know about and that has been an incredible support That so prior to that I felt quite isolated as a female in the industry. But since I met, which was a couple of couple of years ago now, met all the property sisters, and I have a female platform to go to um sometimes just to say, Oh my god, you know, this chap's just driven me mad because he's got (laughs) such an ego, thinks he you know, it's just that bouncing off, but also a place where you can ask questions and not feel uncomfortable. Which is is again fantastic. So, if there are people that females that are out there feeling isolated, then reach out to other females. There is a lot of us out there. Don't feel that you're on your own because you really aren't. Um, there are networks. There's, there's lots of us out here, and we all love to support each other. Um, and the information and knowledge out there is is also fantastic through the female network. So, any listeners who want to reach out to me and I can, you know, introduce them to to any others, I'd love to do so.
0: Yeah, that's great. It was a topic I thought I would like to touch on. And it's interesting, Mm. when I do masterminds and things, usually it's 50-50, males Mm. and and, and females. Mm. But I know that there'll be some that don't come forward because they just feel, Mm. as well as all the other pressures of how the hell does this commercial property market work, there's all that stuff as well. Yeah, You sometimes see males... Mm. um, dismissing a little bit but I have to yes. say that isn't just a thing about females I mean I get dismissed a lot I get agents not mm. for return my calls and everything else and and mm. and that aloofness of what do you know mm. yeah. so it, it does affect all of us but the important thing mm. as you say is to be able to reach out and have a network or some contacts there that you can just check in with to just kind of reset mm. and say yeah, and maybe even have a laugh ex- about it to a point that's right
1: <laughs> a- absolutely and ultimately I I think to myself, well, this this person's shot themselves in the foot because I'm not going to do business with this person. You know, there are people that have got red lines through their names. (laughs) (laughs) I have do not speak to this person again because they have been that dismissive or that rude. And, you know, luckily, I, I can say that there's not that many that I feel like that about but they do they they do come i do come across them and i was, they've missed out because i could have done a lot of business i could have brought yeah. a lot of business their way and and if they choose not to then that's the it. and i you know that's that's their loss that's yes. how i look at you, it
0: you can you can fight or let time prove you right that's just the yes. really. um okay yeah. so looking forward what what projects are you currently working on
1: uh, so, we've got our little project um, for us personally that we're working on, um, which is alongside our um, JV partner, um, Andrew McDonald. Yep. Um, so, that's our that um, we're putting planning on for two or three houses. So, that's quite exciting. Uh, we haven't quite decided what we're going to do yet, whether we're going to flip on or whether we're going to sell. No decisions have been made yet. Um, I've been dealing with some quite large acquisitions, which is always exciting. Um, some a bit of an iconic building in there um, which is all very hush hush and we're not supposed to speak about it I've got some bits and bobs that have come in actually I've got quite a few um, refurb and holds um, for SA coming through Um, and I'm just about to go through all our old stock from from this year when I say old stock I'm saying I'm saying stock that didn't stack Yep. From this year, um, because um, with what we hope is going to happen with this sort of rebalance that is apparently coming, I'm hoping that some <laughs> some of those we might be able to put into a different situation, sure. yes, and uh, see whether we can move some of those opportunities that are just still hanging around because they have been overpriced. So um, that's quite a big focus at the moment. I'm setting all that up at the moment. Um, ready to kick off in January.
0: So your current investors that you, you work mm. with, clearly, you know, when you're working on a project, they take months and months and months and months. So mm. the ramifications of the most recent shenanigans with mini budgets and everything else mm. may lead to the odd snap decision, but it's probably a little bit of time before that filters through. But, but what what are you, are you noticing any change in thinking, processing, speed? of clients that are um, investing in properties
1: so two things that i've noticed people coming in from the us all of a Mm -hmm. sudden because of the drop in the pound yeah so people coming through who haven't seen and spoken to you for some time and all of a sudden they're saying i want to buy this is now time to play i'm coming out and getting my checkbook out yeah um which is interesting and the other side of it is looking at the changes in the epc positively rather than negatively Mm -hmm. seeing it as actually an opportunity to take on a building to do the changes uplift it in the commercial sector and then potentially sell it on for a higher price because of course all the EPC has been done. So um, I have been working uh, with a gentleman who does a lot of EPC work. So I'm dealing with quite a lot of different buildings through him where we can see that there is real strong opportunity because I perceive that the industry thinks it's all negative rather than seeing it as a positive.
0: Yeah, certainly from our small bit of the world, there are more asking about your credentials. So there's more pull from customers than necessarily mm-hmm. the stick from the government. So mm. you'd be able to differentiate yourself and, and ultimately command a higher price
1: mm.
0: as, as we all transition through to that stage. Yeah. It's quite interesting to see how the, the larger corporates are already working on their, their ESG, environmental social governance stuff. Yeah but they're now starting to demand that from others. And I can't remember who it was now the other day. I can't remember one of the NHS, whether it's the English or the Scottish, yeah. saying, here's the credentials we're going to be asking for in 2027. So it's five mm-hmm. years away. So it gives people a bit of time. But if you do not meet these credentials, we won't be using you as a supplier. And that will have a knock-on mm-hmm. effect for people like us who have space mm-hmm. that these guys use, who so then need to know, well, where's mm-hmm. your energy coming from? How's your waste working? And all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. It's going to be a bit of the old stick from the government, but it certainly looks like there's going to be more pull from customers.
1: Mm. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree, and I think it's, it's an area that we need to focus on a little bit more. Um, and I think what really brought my brought to my attention, I had a building, an off, a huge office space in London, which is 160 million, had a, a fund interested in purchasing this, but as soon as they they knew that the EPC there was issues with the epc they turned away from it and i was like well no hold on a minute here what well, why are we turning away from this like, why are we not finding out what that's going to cost and then what that means that building's going to be worth once that yeah. work's done but of course they don't, they're not interested in that they were just not interested in that but then all of a sudden i thought there's an opportunity here that's what really sparked me to start thinking we've got to turn this around because the industry keeps saying it's a negative that's what i hear all the yes. time yes so so, yeah yeah so in a problem that's good well it's just about finding the solution to the problem isn't it sure which is something that we do a lot of
0: so this leads me on to kind of my last last part i wanted to just talk about julie was just if if you were talking to a new private investor, or I say new, new mm-hmm. to commercial, they may be investing in some other stuff at the moment, but they're looking sure. at getting into the commercial market. What, what would be your kind of suggestions at the moment? I know that's pretty vague. It could be all sorts mm. of different people, but but we're, let's, <laughs> if you want, I can reframe it slightly and say, where do you think the opportunities are going to be in the next 12 to 18 months that private investors should maybe turn their eyes towards?
1: There's a lot of interest in social housing. There is a lot, um, I have to say. Um, There is a lot of um, interest around creating potential housing for those that are entering the country, as well as those that are on lower incomes. Um, So it's finding solutions for that, whether that is A standard solution or people are working on alternative solutions Um, we know that the government are paying out millions of pounds to hotels so in within that I think there is a, a more or there is an opportunity I think there's potentially an opportunity for smaller investors because These people don't all want to be housed in the same place. So they need to be moved and and put into different different places. So they're right across the country, not just, you know, put into particular areas. So I think, again, that's opportunity there. So if you are able to to build around the country, for for example, um, you might be able to potentially get a contract to, to do that. A lot of the REITs are looking to forward fund. So there's opportunities there into social housing, but I certainly think that is an area that people shouldn't be ignoring mm-hmm. at the moment.
0: Okay. okay. Um, anything on any of the other sectors? Whether that be um, you mentioned the office space. Um, well, Dealing fr- with, in, Albeit the scale you're talking about is maybe just slightly beyond the odd new start in commercial at 160
1: million, mm. but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have, you know, I, I do read quite a lot um, about the industry, and London's doing really well on its uh, office space. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's yep. come back to pre-pandemic yes, pandemic yes. levels. People are using um, office space in a different way, but they're not necessarily reducing down their space. They're just uh, redeveloping that space. Yes. Um, and I did, I was at an event last week, and there was a gentleman on that on the panel. He he is somebody like yourself. So he takes space, and he he's creating office space, and um, they were they were laughing because they were saying um, he's been told everybody's told him not to do it because it's a, a dead business and a dead industry. And he said, "I'm doing all right, thank you very much. <laughs> so I'm sticking <laughs> to my strategy." So good on him, you know. He's 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 bucked the trend of people people's opinions. And stuck with what he's doing, and he's creating office space and or you no know, mixed hot desking spaces for people. Yeah. Um,
0: Responding to customer demand rather than market yes. noise. Yeah,
1: right, absolutely. And I think in this industry, that's very, very important. Consistently, um, that you you check out what the demand is rather than allow other people to tell you what you should be doing. Okay. Well I think it's important that we, everybody realizes we are definitely going into a buyer's market mm-hmm. rather than the seller's. I don't think we're going to lose the industrial side, the logistics and industrial, which has been huge this year, hasn't it? Yeah. Or the last 18 months. I don't think that's going dying off anytime soon either.
0: Yeah, that's an inc- incredibly strong market. Okay, mm. fantastic. I, I, I think this next eighteen months is going to have um, lots of opportunity for people, and I remember mm-hmm. going through the last the 2007, eight, 9 period, and mm-hmm. that's when the real opportunities are. If everything's consistent and just trundling along, it's difficult to spot. Mm-hmm. You're in the queue with ten mm-hmm. other people. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. going to be an interesting time coming up. Okay. Yeah. Juliet, let, um, let's just let people know where they can get a hold of you. You mentioned um, Property Sisters, so we'll maybe mm. get a note you of a URL for that. But is there anywhere else people can find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. So I'm under Sightline Properties. Um, so you find me um, on Instagram, Facebook, Sightline Properties, and my website, which is SightlineProperties.com.
0: Nice, simple. Okay, super. Thanks, Julia. Thank really appreciate you joining uh, joining me on the show. Hopefully there's been some inspiration there for some people as well, some good knowledge and some tips on what might be coming up.
1: <laughs> mm, who knows? Who knows? But we've got to keep talking. Yes. That's the important thing. We've got to keep talking.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing, Julia. Appreciate You're it. You're
1: welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Now, let me ask you a question. How would you like to quiz today's guest or many of the other guests we've had on- there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast, and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews, and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes, and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.